0: What's up guys today on the BC breweries show we talked to Jeremy Hafner from Ojai Valley Brewing Company really good sport has some technical difficulties in the middle of the interview he stuck around he told some great stories listen to how he went from a musician to chef to brewing beer in Ojai they really try and find local ingredients to put in their beer to highlight the area they have their beer in a local restaurant that they own as well you can find them online to find their beers. Uh, anyway, hope you like it. Check it out. Thanks a lot. Jeremy Hafner from Ojai Valley Brewing Company in Ojai, California. Thank you for making time for us here on the VC Brewers podcast. Started off in music. You were a chef, and now you brew beer. Yeah. That is uh, quite the journey, and I'm sure there are lots of stories you can probably fill a couple of books about. Um
1: I've gotten to do a lot of things that people would pay to be able to do. So I've right. been lucky enough to live a couple of different lives, but uh, yeah, it's all been good.
0: And you're still alive.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was part of leaving music was staying alive.
0: All right, yeah, you could, well, well, you're ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please tell us about you. You can start wherever you want. Tell us about Ohio Valley Brewery, um, in this in the quaint city of Ohio here in Ventura County uh so yeah please let us know how it started and uh, how you got to where you are uh,
1: it's a it's actually a funny story how it started you know we've had a restaurant in ojai california called Azu for 20 years and uh I, I had been cooking in other restaurants and uh we were all on vacation in utah uh in park city and we went to visit some friends who raised grizzly bears and wolves and trained them for movies Mm. because I wanted my uh, three-year-old daughter to see a Kodiak grizzly up close. Uh, And uh, while we were there, our friends who do this had just picked up an extra 100 acres on the back of their property. And because I'd been in food for so long, I'd been around brewers and stuff like that. And they were asking me, you know, what should we do with this property? And I said, you should be growing hops. Because the temperature here and the, and the climate that you have would be perfect for it. And the prices are going through the roof. And this was in 2015. And my mother-in-law <clears throat> turned to me and said, well, why aren't we growing hops on the ranch? I said, well, that's not really something we do in California. You know, it's, it's too hot. It's too dry. There's like mm-hmm. 75 total acres today of hops growing in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, well, why don't we make our own beer? I said, well, you know, I I've I played with distilling and some other stuff, but I've I've never really been a beer maker.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she said, all right, well, you have a year to start a brewery.
0: <laughs> all right, cool. Challenge accepted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, it, it was interesting because I, I you know I, I'd been around a lot of beer. Obviously, I you know I was a musician, so I was traveling in Europe. I was on the road like 200 plus days a year for for some of these times, but I'd been all around Europe. Uh, and I obviously drank a lot of beer, especially in Northern, Middle Europe, and Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And the things that always came back to me when I was uh, talking beer with people there was how proud they were of like the unique profile of where that beer came from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you know, it's like your Dortmund, Germany. That's like the gold standard for uh, loggers, right? You know, so it's like what happens is they they all chalk it up to their water profiles like much the same way like you're like a new york bagels because of you yeah, know, yeah. the the hardness of the water and the, so it's that same kind of thing <clears throat> and when i came back here and started getting into beer one of your I, I assume you, you do some homebrewing right
0: um i'm just a beer drinker right now yeah
1: yeah. So it's it's like, you know, you, you start getting into home brewing and everybody starts playing with water profiles and like things they should be adding, things they should mm-hmm. be taking away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a realization for myself that like one of the things that truly makes a beer like about where it comes from is using the water profile where it comes from, mm-hmm. you know, or where you're making the beer. Right. And I was I was surprised to find out that in America, for the most part, almost every brewery that I know uses reverse osmosis water and builds their water profile to be like it's from Dar- like it's Dortmund, Germany mm-hmm. or it's like Trent, England to make an IPA or something like that instead of making stuff with the water profile from where they come from.
0: Strictly by the book, right? They're, they're saying this is a recipe.
1: Well, yeah, and, but, you know, and that's, and that's one of the things about American craft beer that I think American craft beer is like amazingly innovative and there's so much great beer out there. But I also think American craft beer is largely guilty of playing cover songs. Like it's a lot of style guidelines. It's a lot of kind of chasing the market. You look at a lot of people's boards and they're pretty similar, you know? Mm. And, and I'm not I'm not all about, I, I wouldn't look at it like it's avant-garde brewing to be using the natural water profile or like some alternative herbs. <clears throat> I, you know, that was the other thing that I learned a lot about in Europe was, you know, Beer has a uh, history that's thousands of years old before the advent of using hops, mm-hmm. really. Altogether, that's only the last 600 years. So when you're talking about like traditional beer making, mm-hmm. like hops don't even really play into it. Mm-hmm. Which is going in the hills, the yarrow and the mugwort and all that kind of stuff. Like you can use all that stuff to bitter with and flavor with, and it's it's pretty interesting stuff. And it's also a lot of those things are stimulants too, you know, which is Mm kind of interesting Mm -hmm. because hops are horrific. they make you tired. Right, and that's not to say I love hops. Like hops are amazing. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, um, (laughs) you're you're a small brewery. You're a small brewery.
1: Like, what do I do? Say again. Yeah, very small.
0: Yeah. So. Very small. And you're. I was looking at so per the descriptions on the bottle, I looked up the, the, the ranch. So you get the tangerine from one of the beers I have here from a, the same ranch, you get your, uh, the lemons, the citrus, right? So um, do you yeah. incorporate, so you, because you do your, your water profile from where you're from, you incorporate a lot of local um, uh, ingredients into your, into your beer.
1: Uh, yeah, a lot of them. Some of them are standard beers that we're incorporating local stuff into, and some of them are seasonal. Right now, this week, we brewed our Chaparral beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's white and black sage and sagebrush from out of the hills for the bittering and for the flavoring. It's mm-hmm. mostly sold out already via pre-order online. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a lot of, uh, because we're doing a lot of these seasonal things and because they tap into things that a lot of people from this region are familiar with,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we've ended up, especially because of COVID, uh, uh, sort of pivoting into a, almost a wine club sort of situation where people are subscribing to beers, people mm-hmm. are like making sure they have them ahead of time. It's been <clears throat> great for us because it's, you know, it's a guarantee that we're not holding on to that product too long. We're not sitting on stock and it also obviously pays for the brew ahead of time, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Right. Uh, some of the other, some of the other beers that we use with local ingredients from, we do one with a uh, prickly pears and uh, hibiscus from around here. Mm-hmm. The H.R. Gold has the uh, those wild pink peppercorns that are yeah. all over Southern California and the lemons. Uh, we've done some stuff with the uh, local uh, wild fennel that grows around here. And we've been working on stuff with yarrow and mugwort and uh, bay laurel. And then I do a uh, pale ale with a uh, sugarbush sumac in it, which is a big seller. It's, I don't know if you've like, so the hippies up in Ojai, they've always used sumac to make like lemonade out of because, you know, you like keep it and it's, it's got like that lemony sort of thing too, but it's also got kind of like a clove thing to it. Yeah. i like, right now I'm playing with some, uh, sumac sodas and teas and things like that stuff too.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, oh hi. That's, that's what they're, uh, that's what they're famous for, right? There's a lot of, uh, alternative lifestyle up there, right? Well,
1: a, a lot of witchy stuff, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> and it ties perfectly into making beer, I guess. Well, uh, I mean,
1: that's it's. I, I tell I tell people that all the time. That it's like you know, I was watching your, uh, I was watching uh, your interview with uh, Brittany the other night, and uh, she's a great beer maker. And I was actually talking about her with my fridge repair guy the other day because he's working on some stuff for Naughty Pine. And like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, brewing is like a fundamentally female art. Like it started out with basically all run by women. And like the paradigm of what we consider like the quintessential witch look with the hat and stuff. I mean, that's what those women used to wear in the marketplace to make sure people could see them so that they could buy their brews from them. And then mm. we, I guess, burned them all at the stake and decided to go in <laughs> direction. But that's like, you know, the start of beer is like fundamentally female, which I think is interesting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, so are you, so I looked on your website because um, um, are you pretty much uh, your wine club, but are you pretty much to um, like restaurants and like wholesaling? Because you sell by a case on your website.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so I pretty much only distribute keg beer to mm-hmm. Um the, the, there's a couple of higher end restaurants in the Ojai Valley Inn and stuff like that where I, I take uh, my beer by keg. I was distributing to some places outside of Ojai uh, to some restaurants in Santa Barbara, but uh, the demand ended up being too high for me to to make the drive for the price point on keg beer. And, and frankly, it's like the, the way the marketplace is set up and the way a lot of people set their breweries up is for the is for the keg wholesale game right mm-hmm. but in order to do that you need to build massive facilities to make mm-hmm. enough money off of the profit margin that you get off of kegs mm-hmm. and for that it takes a lot of logistics and eventually it takes selling your distribution rights and i really don't want to do that I just, right I, you know there, there are lots of things that i feel like i could be doing in this life and if I'm just going to push decimal points around mm-hmm. then there's more lucrative ways to do that. So if I'm going to be making beer, I want to make the beer I want to make. And right. I don't want somebody to take a big fat chunk of it and tell me what to do at the same time.
0: Right. And then it takes you off the, uh, the, well, the, out of the lab. Right. And then you're, you're uh, you're in the office taking care of all the paperwork. If you get too big.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I hear stories from friends who have breweries that have grown really big and they've gone from like being cooking and and innovating to like sitting on a computer and hitting a button to like make like 60 barrel batches of like their flagship that has to go out and it's while that's it's awesome to grow your business like that Mm -hmm. i really don't want to sit on a computer to brew beer
0: (laughs) and if you keep yourself small you can then play with all these other flavors that you want to play with right
1: yeah, and, you know, optimally, like, what I think I'd like to do is, uh, I-, I think that uh, I'd like to keep, uh, you know, we've been brewing in Ojai since, we've been producing beer in Ojai since 2017. Uh, I'd like to keep that shop to do all of the stuff where we're kind of heading back to these alternative recipes, and, you know, I-, I don't know how you feel about the White Pixie that you're drinking, but I, I try to make stuff that's pretty subtle. I, like I'm mm-hmm. not trying to you to death with any flavor profiles Mm -hmm. once again I come from food so it's like there are some beers that I drink where it's like dude I need to eat a bacon cheeseburger to get this out of my mouth
0: (laughs) no well Well, I I will say like I like I said before we started I I cheated and had half of it with dinner yeah Uh, my wife made roast chicken and it was great because you're right I mean I was able to taste everything it wasn't just you know I didn't have to like only eat my food and then only drink my beer right I can do both of them at the same time
1: yeah and I I think that I think that's like it's not coming coming from the kitchen instead of coming from the craft beer world initially mm-hmm. i think let me look at beer from a different way without the dogma of the craft beer industry driving what i wanted to do mm-hmm. which, it, you know starting jack dyer and me started at the same time essentially mm-hmm. and, and at that point if you were starting a brewery you needed buy by ipas on your lineup you know
2: <laughs> what i mean yeah.
1: That was, that was just like what the marketplace was. Right. And like, as much as I like hops, I think that I think that IPAs can be pretty unbalanced, uh, a lot of them. I think some people do really great ones, but I think some some of them it became this it became like a dick measuring contest like mm-hmm. how much hops can you put mm-hmm. in a glass? Yeah. And I think people have dialed that back, but it's, you know, I was really leaning into like uh, the nuance of flavor like subtlety i want you to reach for it a little bit like i i want it to be a little bit more like wine you know i I want you to be able to eat food with it you know and it's like so that's that's sort of you know easy drinking high alcohol content light body beers it's just kind of my wheelhouse it's kind of how i like to drink so Mm -hmm.
0: plus you can coming from a culinary background sorry coming from a culinary background you can impair you can say you know, I, I really want this, you know, everyone says, you know, burger and pizza and right. Sure. Steak. Right. But you want to do like uh, fish and chicken and, and stuff like that. So because you, you cooked, you know, what, you know, what fights with what in your mouth, I guess you want to, what, what, you know, wants to be, you know, the taste that you taste in throughout your meal. Right.
1: You know, it was interesting. There's a, a, a couple of times when I'd had a competition stuff and when i'd have judges taking a look at at white pixie you know what they always said their food parents for this would be were soft cheeses and shellfish
0: <laughs> yeah I like okay that. I yeah like that. yeah you know, well like you said that's that's a wine that's a wine uh, what do you want to call it a oh, compliment right i mean you right.
1: so and, and i also think i mean i just i think there's this mass like my key demographic like honestly is like people who say i don't drink that much beer because mm-hmm. of y and z and i'm like it's because you're not drinking beer that you like it's Mm -hmm. because you haven't found something that you like and there are other ways to go about it and you know i you know for a long time i thought that too i was mainly a liquor guy and then when i spent as much time as i did in europe i just i realized the breadth of what was out there and like how subtle and nuanced europeans get with their beer and i'm like man you know we need to be doing some of this Mm -hmm. that's where i had
0: so um you know we're coming out of Uh, lockdown, you know, COVID has been around. You said you've had like a a wine club experience uh, during this time. Uh, uh, Is that something you're going to keep? Have you learned something from, from going through what we've just went through?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but but, Jesus was it two or three years ago. We had the Thomas fire up here. Yeah. So we were already, you know, we have a 160 seat restaurant that we've been running for a long time with, you know, Forty staff members so we just got done pivoting through something like that so when COVID-19 came up you know we kind of knew how to shut everything down but keep it humming and get ourselves in place to take advantage of uh Mm. programs that the government was doing but you know what we really what really got accelerated here was uh online sales for beer Mm. um I think some people are leaning into it heavier than others. I think that the advent of Drizzly and all that stuff is going to be big. I mean, it's not even really in Ventura County yet, but in Los Angeles and, and San Francisco and stuff like that, and there's, you know, 50 Drizzly shops where Uber's delivering you booze and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, it'll, it'll be more like that. I also simultaneously, like, you know, I've got some of these barrel aged beers, like the Etch Art that you have, you know, I've got people regularly ordering six bottle $120 half cases from me I'm selling bottles for $20 a piece and it's Mm -hmm. like the to be able to play in that way and not have to keep it consistent across thousands of gallons Mm -hmm. just it's more art to me and that's where I live better because I've I've just I, I I was never uh never the mathematician statistician engineer i've always been a producer and i've always been a creator but like i you know part of the reason why i love wine is the inconsistency of it
2: Mm. and that's like something
1: that it's something that beer doesn't really have you know and for good and for good measure i mean a lot of beers you want them to be the same every time you have them Mm -hmm. um but you know there are certain breweries i go to where they they make something like if it's different from year to year like i'm not hating on that I appreciate that to a certain degree,
0: you know? Well, yeah, for sure. And that's, that's how you know that, you know, you know the person that's making it, right? And like you said, it isn't like, you know, they press a button and they have, you know, thousands of gallons of beer flowing, right? Sure. You're, able, yeah. you're able to mess with the recipe while you're, you know, months, month after month, you can change it and tweak it and you find out what everyone really likes, right? And you can also find out what they don't like, but and I guess that's the, the beauty of uh, small batch brewing, right?
1: I think so. I think so. And you know, I was once again I was listening to Brittany talk about it, and what she say, uh, stay small, take it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I, I've talked to a lot of brewers who are in in big. And let, let me preface this by saying, Enigren is my favorite brewery in yeah, County. Mm-hmm. Like as much as you could look at what I'm doing and saying, it's like whatever alternative or whatever my like bread and butter is lager. Like I love lager. And mm-hmm. I think you'll, I think you'll find that most like real true beer nerds. And I find this in, especially in beer reps who like sell wholesale stuff, all of them are like massive lager drinkers. Cause we all realize like what an absolute master stroke of artistry it is to make a really clean lager. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I always keep some loggers on the bill too, because I just, I really love logger. but I was, you know, I was listening, uh, I was, I was listening to, uh, you know, Brittany talk about like how it's just, you know, you get so big and after a while, it's just like, you know, you're just pumping out stuff. You're just, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, I, just, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. Although I, if, if I were going to do it, I would hope it'd be as good as Enneagram's beer because that stuff is really good. I had some today actually.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, cause you, you get into beer cause you like it, right? You like, you get, you get in the beer cause you like drinking it. And then at the end you don't like it because you're producing you yeah. know a bunch of it. So let's get down to brass tacks now.
1: Sure. And that's, that's
0: okay. So I, uh, I had to put it in a growler because I drank half of it. So, um, we'll do the white pixie well i guess we can talk about um the uh edge chart gold sure this will be my weekend beer um yeah. it sounds uh it sounds like it's uh well i want to use it sounds spicy right like you drink it and you get because has peppercorn and lemon in it
1: yeah it's, it's it won't overpower you but it's definitely something that you haven't tasted before i mean it's closer to a wine than it is you
0: know,
1: tangy, mm. you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Okay. And, uh, HR gold, we, uh, we age in Ventura spirits, strawberry brandy barrels, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting.
0: So I will, like I said, I had the pixie yeah. already. I can test, I mean, not to cheat, but it does say, you know, tangerine zest and it does, it is tangy, like, a like the zest of a citrus.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to take this. Switch. Yeah, no
0: problem. But like you said, it's not um it's not overpowering. You drink it, you taste it and then, you know, it's gone, you can drink some more.
1: Yeah, and you know what what we did? it's actually uh, I, originally I was setting up outside, uh, mm-hmm. like all the light was bad so you wouldn't be able to see my face, but mm-hmm. right now in Ohio is like exactly why I made white pixie cuz it's like right now in the valley if you come up here at night every single citrus blossom in the entire valley is blooming mm-hmm. and it's just, like this like light perfume that's on the air and like so when i made this beer a lot of people were like i, I was expecting more tangerine and i was like really? <laughs> i like yeah. really i like really what this beer was about was trying to give you like the the citrus blossoms on the air like that, mm-hmm. light-, that light citrusy thing as opposed to like i just ate like citrus candy, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, un- I understand. It's, um, I mean, you wanna, it, you want it to be complex. Like you, you don't want it to be solely one flavor that you, you taste when you're drinking a beer.
1: Sure, something that's like greater than the sum of its parts. And like, uh, one of the interesting things that we do with this is, you know, we pick all the, the pixie tangerines uh, at HR Ranch. And then uh, we zest them all and we use that stuff fresh in the whirlpool but we mm-hmm. take all of the, uh, we take all the flesh after we take the pith off mm-hmm. and then we cook that down into marmalade. So we create, we're essentially creating our own inverse sugar. So like, you know, a regular Belgian wit uh, would be using Belgian candy sugars to raise the gravity, but keep the body light. And instead mm-hmm. of that, we're using the, the pixie tangerines and turning them into marmalade and essentially using them like you'd use Belgian candy sugar
0: wow and you zest them all by hand how, how much how much meat have you gotten off your knuckle from <laughs> from doing that
1: so i I've, I've actually cut off the end of this finger twice yeah in accident I, I can't feel it anymore it's been sewn back on but uh yeah you know it's it's uh it's a lot of zesting uh my 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 uh partner griffin does a lot, a lot of it uh mm. There's, there's something about, I'm sure you've tasted this in breweries who have got, you've watched some breweries, some breweries grow, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like some of those beers you fall in love with. And then as they get bigger, for some reason, whether it's the size of the batch, the pressure of everything on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then- <laughs>
0: Let's pick up with a funny story then.
1: Okay. All right, so while we were off, I was thinking of a funny story, just because I was thinking about logger and shit. Mm. And uh, I was having a conversation in 2015 with a, a, a head of another uh, of another brewery that that was uh, doing stuff then, and and they were they were giving me some tips on what I needed to be doing with starting this brewery. And uh, they're asking me like, you know, like what my lineup was going to look like, and I said no IPAs, <laughs> and they said you you can't do that, and mm-hmm. I said. I said, dude, I'm just, I'm, everybody does an IPA. If I do one, I'm telling you, it's going to stand out. It's going to be something different, which I do with the sumac. But I was like, I just don't think that's what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And they said, what's the next five years of craft beer in your opinion? Then I said, the next five years of craft beer, in my opinion, is all of you dudes walking back what you said about lager for the last 15.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say, uh, uh, in the last uh, six months, I've I've uh, I've gone out of my way to find, um, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's lager, everybody's ale, everybody's pilsner, everybody's right. And and uh, you know, not to say I don't have an IPA, you know, sure. every once in a while. Me right. But uh, too. Too. right. But, you know, you want to you want to taste the whole the whole spectrum of of beer. Right. And see what they have in their repertoire of what they can make. Right. So yeah. I would agree. I would agree that. We need to revisit the other things. Uh, yeah, man.
1: You know what? I got, I got. I'm 39 now. I got married when I was 25, mm-hmm. and I went for my honeymoon and stayed at the Iinger Brewery in uh, outside of Munich. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they have like a hotel, kind of like the LI Valley, in there by mm-hmm. their brewery, like over in the forest there. And just like the span of lagers mm-hmm. that, that company makes are so top notch it's Mm -hmm. just like man there's just something so so right about Mm -hmm. good lager right (laughs) so good right
0: yeah Yeah. so uh i visited your locale uh you said you're building out the tasting room
1: yeah um yeah i I was i was part of my day today is just like uh just dealing with the hurdles of the bureaucracy of building stuff out in California. Yeah. You no, know, it's like, uh, it's just, uh, it, it is always a tug of war for everyone doing it, regardless of how, uh, how much people are participating with you in it at a city or a local level, because California for better or worse is so fragmented in its bureaucracies. Like, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, like, when you run a brewery, like you end up paying like 17 different bureaucracies like mm-hmm. yearly. And a lot of those payments are like payments for a certificate to say you don't need a certificate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. it's that kind of stuff. So when you when you're trying to build stuff from scratch, which is like fundamentally difficult. In California, as you can see by you know the problems with housing and the homeless and stuff like that, and they, mm. we can't build a house in this place. Like you know, try building an industrial manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I'm just, I'm just. It took me with the the city of Ojai was was on my side and trying to make this happen for me. Simultaneously, that took two years mm. of me wrangling political pressure. And the ex head of the ABC to like write a letter that said, I'm the only brewery in Ventura County without a tap room, mm-hmm. and like all of these kinds of things to like get that done. And like that was just to get to the starting line, you know. Mm. So I'm a you know, it's a it's it is a slow process, it but like anything else, you know, like for anybody who's ever built anything, whether it's been a birdhouse or the great pyramids, you know, it's like when you put your blood and sweat into something, there's just something special about whatever comes out on the other end, even if it's kind of beat up and fucked up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
0: No, yeah. I've, I've tried to start a couple of businesses and I always tell my wife, it would be easier for me to, to sell crack than it would be for me to, you know, be above board and, you know, try yeah. and, you know, get something going legitimately. Right.
1: Serious. I hear cracks a growth industry. Are you looking for a partner? <laughs> <or>? <laughs>
0: you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hapsies for sure.
1: Yeah. I got five
0: on it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, tasting room, uh, we're coming out of COVID. Yeah. What's next for uh, Ohio Valley?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's uh, I think the tasting room is going to be big. I think it's, you know, we're building it mostly outdoors because I think mm. regardless of what happens here, and this is just my intuition from having run a, a big restaurant for years is that the next five years, uh, regardless of what the stipulations are, people are going to be nervous to be inside. A lot of people, mm-hmm. I still, I see people driving around with masks in their cars by themselves still today. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I, you know, I, ju- I just think it's going to take a long time to feel for people to feel comfortable inside again. And mm-hmm. luckily we live in Southern California and it rains like 12 days a year.
0: Yeah. And then you're in Ohio, so, so that's even better weather. So- right.
1: I feel like if I have enough fire pits and gas heaters, like yeah. I'll probably be handled. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we are uh, free. We have been pouring all of our beer through our restaurant, Azu.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, that just like cut me in half because because there was no bars were done. Mm-hmm. And, and shit, dude, like, I, I, you know, I've listened. I've, I've talked with a lot of the other breweries, like everybody got cut in half. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the dangers, I think, about the marketplace right now with people that like, because it it was, you know, in 2015, when I was starting, like, it seemed like the whole model was, I'm going to build, I'm going to get I'm going to get $5 million in capital from 20 different people. I'm going to build a brewery, I'm going to cause a lot of buzz, I'm going to grow, grow, grow. And then somebody at a giant company is going to buy me out. And we're all gonna be rich. Mm -hmm. That was just kind of like, that was everybody's business plan. But like, Mm -hmm. it became, it became clear I think over the last few years that those big companies aren't going to buy out the little beer companies anymore because as soon as they do they immediately lose like 50 percent of their drinkership Mm -hmm. so what you know instead they're like buying people's distribution rights and things like that but uh because of that you know there's like still this model where everything's based on keg sales going out and I gotta say you know I have a feeling that you know whether or not it's warranted, there's going to be another flu, there's going to be another something, and whether or not they shut things down, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think Gavin Newsom will do it while he's, like, facing a recall, <laughs> but, like, the next governor, like, I don't know. Is it mm-hmm. more serious? Like, we don't know, and it's just, like, so I, the, the marketplace of solely pushing kegs to bars and restaurants, I think it's dangerous mm-hmm. right now. You Mm -hmm. know, and I I think it's, man, I I, I am glad that I am not dealing with that. And my hat's off to everybody else who like had to like try to move through IPAs and like degradable hop, like really hoppy beers, you know, over a a time period where stuff was just sitting around. Like, I can't even imagine how much stuff went down the drain. Like, if I I haven't talked to any of the guys about what they've dumped, but I'm sure it's because I saw some, some of these breweries are selling kegs at like a loss man like have you seen the prices like you can get a half barrel off of somebody for hmm. like and it's like clearly underpriced <laughs> you're yeah. like man that's that's rough
0: sounds like i should have a party now yeah yeah Seriously. i mean and, and it's weird because we're kind of we you know we're we're going through the direct to consumer you know period right now right you know everyone can you know you hop on your phone like you said and you just say bring me bring me beer right yeah. And I, I would think that uh, like you said, I mean, I, I spoke with the guy from, uh, from John, from Leashless uh, on uh, yeah. last Saturday and he shared your same sentiment that even if we're out, you know, you're, you're still going to have people that are, you know, not going to be comfortable going inside. And so I, I would think everyone in the, in the game is going to have their, their pandemic plan on the back burner, ready to go. The next time it comes around, you have yeah.
2: to.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's just, And and luckily because I had worked in commercial food for as long as I have, like I've got an understanding of customer base and health code that a lot Mm. of, a lot of brewers who haven't worked in a kitchen don't understand. And it's just like, there are things you can do and restaurants, a lot of restaurants pivoted to make that happen. And like, you know, as I'm building this tap room, it started out as one thing. And the next thing I know, I'm like, you know what, this is all going outside. It's just all mm-hmm. going outside. Mm-hmm. It's where everybody it wants to be, anyways. But it's like, you know, I'll put a pool table and a shuffleboard table inside, and the people who want to gather around will go inside. Mm-hmm. Like, people, like, I just I think it's going to be touch and go for a few years. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they open and close things again. I just wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you said, like, no, nobody knows, right? So well, hopefully, it's hopefully they make the right call and we're open and everyone drinks more beer.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I I think that will happen, and this is what I do think. I think that I think that all the breweries who survived
2: mm-hmm. and
1: all the restaurants who survived
2: mm-hmm.
1: are going to have less competition. But I also think that uh, I think that people are just going to be itching so hard to get next to other people in a public space. I think twenty twenty two, it's just going to be raining money from the sky for places that they're places that are a cool place to hang out. You know?
0: Yeah. People are chomping at the bit to spend their money, be out, right?
1: I know I am. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of town next week. I'm going to Utah mm-hmm. to go uh, skiing, but it's like, man, I, I used to, I used to like leave the country five times a year. Mm-hmm. And I haven't like, I basically haven't left Ohio in like a year and a half. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm a travel guy. And it's just been, I, I think if everybody's feeling like I am, and I have to assume at least, Two or three other people are, then like it's you know it's gonna be nutty, and now you're already seeing it. Like you were what what day were you up in Ohi?
0: Oh, uh, that was uh, last month Oh no, it was this Monday. It was Monday. It was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah.
1: you know it's, it's like you just look around like even on a weekday, it's like man, it's like things are like people are out. Like, yep, things are happening, dude. Ohi's like. You can't even drive through the middle of town right now. There's so many people up here. Uh-huh. I'm sure that's how it is in Ventura and Oxnard, yep. Camarillo, and Moore Park, and all that stuff. People yep. are just, you know, what? We're done. We're yep.
0: done. Yep. You know, I understand. I got you. Yeah, we yeah. live by down the street from the beach, and there was a time where it was nobody from Oxnard at the beach. It was all people from LA and all those places that. It's gnarly. Uh, yeah, they, gotta, they had to get. They had. They had to find a place to get out because they were going crazy. Yeah. All right, so let everyone know. Where they can find you website where they can buy your beer
1: you can you can find us at ojai Uh you can buy our beer for delivery anywhere in california there you can buy our beer at bottle shops in ojai and uh, you can see it at some restaurants in ojai uh, but for the most part we would love it if you buy it directly from us uh, we're opening up our tap room as soon as I can possibly make it happen. I think that I think that it'll probably be July, given what I heard today. By the way, I dropped a display ref- refrigerator on a boulder today accidentally. That's mm. a whole other story. <laughs> so I'm fixing that currently. Right. But, uh, you know, it's it, it it it's gonna happen. It'll be the first production brewery tap room in Ohio, and it will be the only area in the industrial district in Ojai. So it's good. It's going to be a big deal for Ojai. And then, you know, within the next three years, uh, hopefully we'll be doing some distribution in Ventura County, a little wider, or maybe Santa Barbara County. But, you know, aside from that, I'm just not looking to blow up like that.
0: (laughs) People will come to you to get your beer, huh? You're not going to deliver to everybody.
1: uh, You know what my optimal, my optimal situation would be, I make enough beer to push out of tap rooms, and through a wine club bottle sale type situation Mm -hmm. and nobody else can get their hands on it. Mm -hmm. I I really, I feel strongly that exclusivity is a great market to drive. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just like, if you can get high prices for really high end beers and it's hard to get, I mean, I think about Russian River. Remember Mm -hmm. what, I mean, Russian River was a, it was a very different animal before they started releasing, you know, Pliny the Elder to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. it was like it was coveted, and now it's not quite the same thing. Not that it's right. not good; well, it's just exclusivity is a thing. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like,
0: yeah, for sure. Sounds great. Can't wait to can't wait to sign up for the wine club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey. Well, thank you very Thanks. much. Say again. Thanks, Unless for you time. have no problem. Anytime. If you have uh, any parting words, uh,
1: be good. Drink more beer.
0: there you go all right man thanks a lot yeah thanks for sticking around yeah all right man later there you go Jeremy from Ohio Valley Brewing Company Uh, really good interview Uh, cool stories cool guy Um, I'll have their website and all their information in the description below check them out give them some love buy their beer Uh, can't wait for their uh, tasting room to open Uh, when they finish it take a drive to Ohio sit outside nice weather over there in and the evening time in the summertime um anyway thanks for watching like and subscribe share the video thanks a lot and I will talk to you guys next time